you didn't expect to see me again, eh, Svengali? Go away, please, you dumb rabbits, Bonnie. You are for to ruining my act. Podcast with me, Dave Juskow, July 21st, 2020 edition. Hello, summer, finally humid and hot, which, you know, we've been waiting for, but really still nice, still nice, not crazy humid, I mean, at nighttime, there's a breeze, still a very pleasant summer, and I know, because I was out in it last night, performing for only 3,000 people this time, instead of 4,000 for last week, and I'm going to tell you all about it. After this. action. We're going to talk about them later because, uh, well, I technically met Dennis DeYoung and, and interviewed him uh, this week. I had a lot uh, I had a lot going on this week and yet uh, really nothing and yet so much, which again, you know, it's just confusing because, you know, who has anything going on? Me, apparently, or maybe, I don't know, are things going back to normal? Not really. And yet I'm busy. I think, or maybe I was just concentrating. I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, turn this off and get down to the uh, the podcast stuff. How are you, everybody? Nice to have everybody with us today at a, a beautiful taping on a Sunday morning in beautiful downtown New York City. How are you? Let me fix my chair. I've obviously had too much to eat. Oh, maybe my microphone was different. Oh, yeah, stuff nobody cares about. Well, hello, and last night I once again... Performed for the lovely Jim Gaffigan Jr. That's what I call him now because we're like best friends. Um, and uh, beautiful downtown Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, uh, at, at another parking lot event outdoors. However, this time because it was Pennsylvania, people were allowed to 
sit outside their cars as if they were in a tailgate. Some people like eat where they know they weren't allowed to barbecue, but they could bring food and tables and chairs. And that's what they did. I mean, it was, you know, my favorite thing. It was like a tailgate, like going to the Giants game. And they uh, hung out there and they were able to sit like on the sides of their cars because there was a space in between everybody. And we all had a rocking good time. I mean, I was upset that I found out people were going to be outside of their cars and we could hear laughs because, you know, I practiced in the sense that I could just do whatever I want because, you know, you're not going to be able to tell if anybody's laughing or not. And then Jim will be like, oh, he did another good job because, well, there's really no way to judge it. So he looked like he was having a good time and... That was that was my way. That was my key that I was going to be like, well, if I look like I'm having a good time, no one will know. But I think I did a good job. Again, um, I was told I did. And I think he was happy. And that's the most important thing to make the person you are opening for happy. Um, never being as good as they are as uh, actually I'll talk about that later too it has nothing to do with jim gaffigan please i am not saying i am anyway and better than uh, jim gaffigan but um i have a story for you from the 80s so but uh yeah so it, it was a uh, another fun night uh you know not as many people this time this was in uh like the, the mohegan sun arena which i thought was a casino but no it's just like a small hockey arena it's very odd about two hours outside of the city and I picked up Marina Franklin on the way, and I drove my my little minivan out there, and I had gotten it serviced by Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube, for all your car service needs, you'll find Jiffy Lube to be in Woodbridge, New Jersey, and other places. I'd like to do an advertisement for them. I should give them a call. You want me to do Jiffy Lube ads? Because I'll do it. If your car is in need for a tune-up or an oil change or something you need, you want to go to Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube on Route 9. We're to do it. But I like going to Jiffy Lube um, because it's easy and it just keeps my car kind of flowing with the fluids. And then when I need something else, I'll go somewhere else. But I don't know where to go because it's hard to find a good mechanic. But I went there on Tuesday or Thursday to make sure that everything would be good for this rather long drive, even though I went up to Woodstock the week before, which is the exact same length of a drive, and I didn't seem to care. But this time, because I knew I was taking somebody else, I'm like, let me just make sure the car is in good shape, because I already went on a two-hour drive, and I'm going to my mother's house. You know what I'm saying? So, eh, just want to make sure. So I bought it in, and they're like, yeah, you got a couple leaks. I'm like, you know, every time I bring it in, you've never told me I have anything wrong. And this time, when I'm going on this trip, I got a couple leaks. I'm like, will I be able to make it to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania? They're like, yeah, sure. You should bring it in and get it fixed. Like, it's an oil leak and an antifreeze leak. The one, the, the, the antifreeze leak is one thing you definitely don't want, uh, this time of the year, because you want to keep that AC going, blowing cold, blowing cold and hot air. But everything was fine. And, um, obviously I made it back and forth, but I, I can't deny. I mean, I try and keep my passengers calm that they don't know I'm panicked that I just want to make it there in one piece. I, I really just need a new car. If I'm going to drive other people, because I, I don't care by myself, but I would hate to inconvenience uh, a passenger of mine, especially inconvenience for me, too, if we're on our way to a gig that you need to get there on time. But everything worked out OK. I always I have trouble going up hills in the car, so I hate going west. That's why I won't take Route 78 to my sister's house, which they say to do because it's hilly. And I take it easy on the hills. Now, I could go up the hills and put the gas on, but I feel like that's how I keep my car and the transmission, you know, after it's almost 20 years old, this car, 
That's how I keep it going. Like, I don't push it. You know, I drive it a little carefully. I push it only when necessary. You know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, when I go up a hill, I always kind of fall behind everybody else. But, of course, that's good, too, because then I don't speed. So there's no tickets involved. It's beautiful. But anyway, all that being said, because what's more fascinating than, you know, my car stories of driving there? What's the matter with me? That's not how you open a podcast. But it was, again, super fun. Obviously, I was nervous all week. It's like I say I say to myself, why am I torturing myself? The only time I'm happy is when I get off stage and I'm like, okay, that's over and I did something. I mean, this is a weird way to live. I mean, I'm excited for the performance, but I'm also, well, I guess that's normal. It's just, you know, it like kind of, I mean, it ruined my week because I knew I had this thing I had to do on Saturday and I've just been in this wonderful place where, well, I got nothing to do. I mean, maybe the most I have to do is go down to the cellar and have some dinner, but otherwise, you know, I got no plans and nowhere to go. It's beautiful. And to have, you know, a plan where I'm like, I really should, I got to concentrate on the act. I got to, now I have a week. Remember, I only had a day to pick up 15 minutes of material. I'm like, well, I should concentrate on it. And, you know, of course, I'm just like, eh, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I didn't, I didn't really get to it until about Thursday because I was busy. Was I? I'm looking at my, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at my uh, calendar now. I'm like, it really wasn't that busy. But, I mean, actually, I guess I did stuff every day. Well, yeah, I went out every day. Well, I guess I just practiced on Friday. That's not – yeah. I waited till the last minute. I mean, I pretty much was doing what I was doing last time, but then oh, – whatever. Anyway, I thought I did a good job again. And, you know, you could hear laughs this time and everybody seemed happy. But when I, I recorded it this time, I made sure I brought my phone up to record it just because I thought it would be funny if I played it for you guys and you just hear no laughs. I mean, that that is funny. So you just hear me and you don't hear any laughs. But when I got home last night in a very good mood, I listened to it. I'm like, I'm going to listen to it right away, which is something, as you know, I never do because I thought I had this great set. And when I was listening to it, I'm like, I am the worst comic in the history of comics. It's so, I couldn't even play it for you. I said, well, you know what? Let me just download some stuff and I'll play them some clips. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. This is why I can never listen to myself. It might work and the crowd might be laughing and I have a good set, but I swear to God, when I hear myself back, I just feel like a major hack, which I guess I am in a way in my material. It's just stupid. It's not put together properly. When I hear it back, I'm like, why would anybody hire me to perform except for the fact that somebody is going to shine after, you know, I'm easy to follow. So I'm not, I mean, you know, don't, you can say, oh, don't sell yourself short. But I promise you, if you listen to the act, you'd be like, well, you may have a point. And obviously it sounds worse because you can't hear any laughs. So then it's like, maybe that's the issue, but. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I did this joke. And when I say joke again, I don't know. Meanwhile, my friend Dave Elliott wrote some amazing jokes for me. We were talking about our friend who's really fat. And he came up with all these fat jokes. But it was like, oh, it's a Gaffigan crowd. I don't think they'll like the fat shaming since most of the people in the parking lot. Oh. Um, so I didn't want to do that. So I said, well, I'll put it on myself. But then that wasn't working either. I mean, I'm definitely fat. So it doesn't matter. But. 
it just wasn't working, but his jokes were amazing. He was like, uh, you know, they only have curbside service in uh, Manhattan, so my friend uh, moved his apartment closer to the curb. <laughs> How are you? It's all Dave Elliott material. I keep telling him to write for Jeff Ross. He's like, yeah, my uh, doctor put me in a 12-step program. I got to walk 12 steps every day, and maybe. I think it's funny. Dory didn't find it funny at all. I think it's hilarious. These are Dave Elliott's material. I think he did a great job. I think this kind of thing, if, you know, if I was a professional, I could probably, you know, word it exactly the right way. What was the really good one I liked um, that he had, which was, uh, um, oh, yeah, um, I'm addicted to food now. I I have an addiction problem to food. My uh, dealer is Instacart. Why am I only hearing crickets? You know, it's funny when you're outside performing because you actually hear crickets. That's an odd thing. But, no, it was cool, and it was nice to see people. And I think just people were happy. And again, a beautiful night. I mean, perfect. That's why you couldn't be upset. Like, even if you're bombing, I'm like, I'm feeling a nice breeze. It's beautiful out here. You know, I say that. I'm like, isn't this a fun time? I mean, I really was having a good time on stage. I could, uh, I was having trouble like here, like it was very loud. So, you know, I had to take it down. But I mean, still, you know, you, it's like weird. You're looking at that crowd and I just can't even, and I'm on the big screen. I, I can't even believe I'm up there. I just, I can't, I can't even, I'm like, I'm like that guy in that thing you do. I'm like, how did this happen? How did, how did I get to um, open for these big crowds? It's so strange. And, you know, when I see my friends performing for small crowds, I'm like, suckers. You know, they're just starting. It's weird. Like, I saw Rachel Feinstein was performing for, like, 10 people, and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, you know, she's got to get back into it so I can open for her again. I like opening for people a lot. No pressure on me. So it all falls on the headliner. They're the ones that are going to look ridiculous for hiring me. <laughs> but no, the audience will forget about me as long as they have a good set. So I really have nothing to worry about. But I mean, it is kind of funny. Every summer, you know, I only perform. I mean, it's just weird. Even this year, I performed to more people than last year's summer performances with Sarah. Like I said, there's only 3,000 people this time. I'm used to performing for four or more. So it's uh, it's weird. But no, I don't really. I mean, really. But oh, so. Where we were sitting, it was a hockey arena we were setting up, right? Now, I don't know where Jim was. You know, he's always in a separate area. He goes in, he takes a nap. He does. He gets there really early. It's really smart, actually. But they put us in where we were was, you know, like when you're in an arena where the food is and the concessions, we were, they just made a makeshift room in there. So there was no air. There was just a fan blowing, really loud fan, which I actually enabled me to just doze off and some chairs and uh a fruit platter and some water (laughs) that's when you know you're the opener uh where the headliner always has all these riders okay i'm gonna need six subway sandwiches um the entire menu of taco bell uh obviously only blue m&ms a guitar uh, my after show beer, you know, you can do all that when you're the headliner, but the openers get zippity doo da. But the guy said, you know, you can take whatever you want home in there. And I'm like, can I take this cotton candy machine? Because that would be delicious. But yeah, we're just in that sec- that section of when you're walking around before you go in any arena, basketball, hockey, whatever it is, 
before you go into the arena, you know, out there. And they just had a little makeshift area there. It wasn't unpleasant, but you're sitting there for three hours before the show. So, uh, but we were able to just stay outside a little bit because I can't even believe. Because Marina's like, let's go outside. I'm like, are you crazy? It's 90 degrees out there. But it was cool and comfortable. I still don't even understand it. But again, perfect weather night. A great night, great hanging out with Marina. Obviously, this guy Keith Albastad. I think that's how you pronounce it. He makes fun of how you pronounce it. Great guy, really terrific guy. And obviously, Jim is so funny and so nice, and uh, just really an honor, an honor to uh, open for him. I must have thanked him profusely m- multiple times. Just as, as at the very least, to just get out of the house, just like everybody in that audience or in that parking lot. Jim Jim had this great joke. I, I I'll never get it right, but it was like, um, well, the question is, would you would you guys pay to um, recreate sitting in traffic for an hour to watch comedy? <laughs> uh, would you guys pay? Like he just kept going. It was really funny, but yeah, it's like everybody's just out of driving, like we sang last week. And I sang the song this time again, and there must be kids in the audience because they actually loved it. It was the best part of the show. I'm like, stranded at the drive. People are like, ah. I guess. Of course, there's no there's no way to really tell. I don't know whether you saw my Instagram post I posted just before I went up. This is me performing in front of 4,000 people, but it's only a picture of me performing, and you don't. there's only one guy you can see if you, you know zoom in. Like, this is me performing in front of 4,000 people. Of course, there's no proof that there were 4,000 people there, but you'll have to find out this week on the next episode of Soap. Confused? We did that last week, remember? That's from the TV show Soap. Nobody cares. Uh, But, yeah, I don't know. Really super fun. I was excited. I almost came over and did the podcast at like 2 in the morning last night. It was on such a high until I heard my act. I was doing pretty good. But I obviously, I was on a real high. You know, I love being home afterwards because I feel like yeah, I accomplished something. I did something to, you know, possibly help my career. I got paid. I mean, what a night, right? I mean, it's a, it was a good week for me. I got to do a lot of really terrific things. Um, and I will obviously tell you about them all, but I just keep thinking why it was, you know, so anyway, I've been trying to really up my Instagram posts by posting these, you know, funny videos or videos in general, which I usually post on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and to promote the podcast. So this past week, you know, last week I posted, if you saw it, um, my Zoo Zoom, which me and a bunch of dogs that keep talking, which is funny. I'm trying to do a cat one this week coming up. And then this week I posted, the big thing I posted was a thing for the comedy seller singing the Summer Highland Fall song that I played for you guys a couple months ago and uh, playing the piano and putting all these pictures of all my friends and saying we miss the Seller family. I got the approval from Noam, the owner of the Comedy Seller, and Liz, the manager, and they said they loved it, and I was able to post it, and people really liked it, and I couldn't have been happier because I was really nervous, except for Rachel Feinstein, who's the worst person ever. I knew she was going to complain at the one picture I used of her, even though I thought she looked cute as hell. And she's like, what? Why would you post that? I mean, she's crazy. So it took me three hours to fix it so she was happy. I mean, I couldn't let my best friend be upset with the picture I used. So three hours it took me, and I didn't get it in on time. I'm trying to always post 
before 3 p.m. for some reason. I like to post between 2 and 3. I just, for some reason, think that's a good time. And after 3, I get nervous that that's a bad time. Took me three extra hours for some reason to put her picture in. I don't know. It screwed up the everything. One of her approved pictures that I got sent in an email. And then she goes, well, don't use the one that I sent where I'm doing. I'm like, screw it. You just sent me approved pictures, you weirdo. Oh, she's insane. But since I am obvious, I know how she feels. Marina took a picture of me waiting to go on. And I'm like, oh, crap. I look so fat. I don't look that fat from the front. But on the side, it's disgusting. And so I'm furious that Marina posted it, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'll, get, I'll get over it. So I understand what Rachel's talking about. Plus, she's a girl. Yes, all right, it's sexist as the statement is. But I know Rachel, too. And, uh, you know, I don't want her to be upset with me, and I don't want her to be upset when people talk about it. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm like, Rachel, I found this picture online. When you Google the Comedy Cellar, this picture does come up. If you do a deep dive, it's it's already out there. I'm sorry you hate the way you look a year ago. But, you know, sometimes you just got to go with the flow. What a, phew, I'm so angry. I haven't talked to her since. I'm so angry. But I fixed it because, you know, I love her. What am I going to do? I know she's nuts. I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have even made the call, but I couldn't help. I sent it to her before I posted it because I guess I knew she's going to hate this picture. I don't know why. She looked adorable. And, you know, I like girls that are a little, uh, you know, not super thin. All right? And she goes, well, I actually love that you don't have a problem with girls that are bigger. I, this is all coming out bad, but you know what I'm talking about. How are you? <laughs> oh, what, uh, here's one of the, the jokes I open with. I'm like, yeah, you know. This is terrific. I uh, About 20 years ago, I actually asked Jim if uh, I could open for him one day. And he goes, I'll tell you what. If the whole world suddenly comes down with a virus, then you can open for me. <laughs> How are you? Oh, boy. You know, it's funny when you say it on the podcast. Well, th- this is exactly what happened last night. Well, I mean, it would have been if they didn't see people out there. They seem to be laughing. But it's, you know, I'm used to doing the podcast where well, there's no reaction. I say something like that and people are like. Huh. Uh, 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 uh. But uh, yeah, we um, it wasn't a horrible drive. I don't know. I just, I guess, I'd like to tell you more about it. There's really nothing more to tell. I'm on a definite high. I wish I could do some more shows, which is kind of funny because obviously I also hate doing it too. Because I'm like, oh, no. you know, hey, you want to do it again this weekend? Oh, this weekend I got to do stuff. But it's great, and you know, it puts me on the status that Dave just goes become accustomed to living the status where i for some reason don't show up anywhere and then all of a sudden i open for four thousand people that's my job and and the young kids are like i don't understand this guy he's horrible when we hire him for our shows these 20 year old kids like hey would you like to do my room and they're like i don't understand how you open for these you're horrible i'm like yeah i get that a lot but that's the story. Yeah. And that's the name of that tune. I will go over my week because it's interesting in this climate to have done so much stuff this week. I mean, I guess I am hanging out with a lot of people trying to maybe not social distance, but at least wear a mask. Oh, who am I kidding? Nobody's wearing a mask when there's a couple people together. I mean, I mean, I'm wearing a mask. 
all the time. And believe me, so upset that Marina needs me to wear a mask in the car for two hours. I mean, that sucked. I mean, that just sucked. And I bought a new mask to wear that I thought would be better, but it was too tight. It cost me 15 bucks. I thought it would be more comfortable to wear than the surgical masks I've been wearing, which are kind of like falling apart in my mouth, like cottony wise. But um, it wasn't working. But to wear a mask in the car for that two hours, it just stinks. I can't even imagine what doctors are going through and stuff. Wearing a mask for that time, you get a headache. You're breathing in the carbon monoxide. It's a disaster. But obviously, I wear one. But then when we get to a place, if we're drinking, I mean, all right. So Monday, I went to my friend Sophia's house, and we went to her rooftop, and we were drinking wine. So we're not going to wear a mask there. There were four of us. And, um, I mean, it was beautiful doing anything. We're on the beautiful roof. Saw an amazing sunset with, uh, you know, some pretty girls drinking some nice wine. She got some. She's like, oh, I got that rosé you like. I'm like, shut up, shut up. I really like rosé in the summer. Don't tell anybody. It's not a very manly drink. It's not like my Budweiser cans, you know, which are my favorite. God, I hate driving home after a gig. You know how I love my after-show beer? This is the second performance. I wasn't allowed to have my after-show beer. I love my after-show beer. The greatest beer ever. Um, what the hell was I talking about? Um, God, I lost my track. So yeah, we're on this roof, and you know it was fun to be with people. But you obviously have to take your mask off. If you're going to drink, or you're going to eat. So you know we had it on the whole time, the elevator and everything. We got in the house, and you know have it on, and walk around the town. You know we have it on, but people do take off their masks when they're dining or sitting in a a picnic area or something. I mean, what are you going to do? You do the best you can. You do the best you can. I just don't know if these masks are helping. I mean, all, all they're showing is people not wearing masks. I just saw in the paper today that in Astoria, here in Queens, on Steinway Street, the worst street of all time, uh, there's just so many crowds. Nobody's wearing masks. But again, I say I know it's horrible, but what do you expect people to do? They've been pretty good for like five months. You just can't expect people to I follow rules for that long a period of time it's it's unfortunately just something that can't happen people go crazy and you know we they pretty much people have followed the rules but how long can you ask them to do so when it you know, when there's, when, when you're, you know, unfortunately you see in the paper, well, all those people are partying or whatever, and you see people walking around and you don't know anyone who's died of the virus. It's very difficult to feel it uh, inside, or you don't know anybody if you're 20 with a pre existing condition. It's very difficult to think about others sometimes, even if you're the best person, if the people in your small world, don't have a you know an issue where you're just not thinking about it but i'm never mad if somebody's not wearing a mask but uh i mean obviously indoors i'd be very upset and i've certainly seen it and i can't believe so i was at the jiffy lube right i'm at the jiffy lube i'm talking to this girl the jiffy lube by the way if you don't it's just an auto service you know like easy oil changes stuff like that but i always bring my car that's really easy you know they installed my battery for me and everything so i'm at the jiffy lube i'm talking to the girl there and, uh, you know, obviously we were talking about the, the virus and everything. I'm like, you know, I'm opening for uh, Jim Gaffney. <laughs> Why wouldn't I say that? 
I'm still a single man, you know. Uh, anyway, she was telling me that I guess they one of one of the guys I guess took off his mask. I don't. Remember. I think he was working down in the pit, you know, where he's doing the oil change, and he came upstairs for a second without his mask because he's by himself in this little area, and he came up. So I, and I think what was the story like he he went into the guy's car and maybe turned turned it on and then went back stairs well this guy went crazy and started screaming at the jiffy lube people who i guarantee don't want to be working if they don't have to and he was screaming at them and he took all this cleaner and he started wiping it's like you jerk offs you just infected my car i mean there's there's got to be a better way to handle the situation. Maybe, I mean, this guy wasn't wearing a mask, but you're at a goddamn Jiffy Lube. You're outdoors. Just everybody's got to relax. And she just said this customer, you know, a lot of the customers have just been yelling at us. They're unstable. I mean, we're wearing, they were wearing masks. It's not like they're not wearing it, but people have been very mean and nasty. People are on edge. You do that to them. You're yelling at the people at the Jiffy Lube, please. What kind of person are you? You know, that's like yelling at uh, when I saw people yelling at the, the checkout girls, the grocery store, when all this started. These poor people, they're just trying to earn a living and they're working at a checkout counter at the grocery store and people are screaming at them. I just won't understand. You know, I mean, unless some, they do something really stupid, really stupid, but I haven't seen that. I usually see people yelling at people just for unjust reasons, and it really makes me upset. But, yeah, I mean, we're trying. So, yeah, so Monday, you know, then, uh, you know, I just, I, I do wear the mask, but, you know, I wasn't. So, but I have been seeing a lot of people, but I think everybody has recently. I mean, things have been expanding and where you can see people and stuff. I mean, the fact that Marino even wants to see me, and she's got a major pre-existing condition, you know, we've seen each other quite a bit, or even Rachel, who has a baby and stuff. You know, we just, everybody's just trying to do the best they can. That's the point. So on Tuesday, speaking of which, uh, I always do a Zoom chat at 7 o'clock with some college friends, which is super fun. And I told them about how we've been playing the, uh, you know, my college radio station songs. And they're like, oh, my God. Because yeah, one of the guys, you know, Mike Sauter, I think he made that playlist. And it's fun. And then at 8 o'clock, I went down to the cellar to have dinner with David Tell. Russ Maneve and Nick Griffin. That was our plan. And Atel put it together, which is amazing that he's become our social director. Somebody who's completely antisocial. He is such a strange guy, this David Tell. I don't have to tell you, but I mean, it's just. So we go down there and we all meet around 830, which, of course, is ridiculous. But that was my fault. I said, can we meet after eight? Because I knew I had a Zoom call. But it's ridiculous to meet late at this point because everything's closing early. But we met at 8.30, and we were eating on the street, and we, we have a nice table out on the street. We're having an okay time. Mateo's joining us, and then Atel shows up late, of course, and then he just starts in. He's like, why are you sitting at this table? Why is Mateo here? He's like, why are you talking so much? I mean, it's so annoying. It's just it's like, why does he want to come out at all? He's just angry at everything we all do. It's not just even me. So then he moves us to this other table, which was not as fun. Of course, I had the chicken wings again. I cannot help myself. But we had a really nice time, had a few less. Just the, the very aggressive homeless people down there. It's a horrible block. That's the only thing that's very disappointing, eating down there outside, you know. And then we walked around for a little because I was looking for ice cream. 
And then clearly there was nothing to do, so we went home. And then in my neighborhood, there's a diner that was open until like midnight, which is so rare. And they had chairs outside. So I had uh, an ice cream soda, which I didn't even know what that was. I said, what's an ice cream soda? You believe I don't know what an ice cream soda is? I said, well, I'm sorry, it's not 1955. But he's like, it's basically an egg cream, which is my favorite thing, with ice cream in it. I'm like, oh, yes. Give me three of those. A chocolate egg cream, if you don't know, and I don't know whether I described it before. We had it in the Cars movie, but I think we cut it out, is uh, milk, seltzer, and chocolate syrup. Not an egg. Why it's called an egg cream, I don't know. But it's like a chocolate milk with seltzer and then some ice cream. Hello. Boy, was that good. It was delicious. So that was a lovely dessert. And uh, that was a fun night, again, to see people, you know, and walk around and be be part of the moment, you know. But, I mean, you know, are we wearing masks outside sitting while we're sitting at the restaurant? No, nobody is. You can't wear your mask at a restaurant. You just can't. And that's what I was saying last week. I'm like, well, what's the point of even walking around with a mask if nobody's wearing it at the restaurant, spitting and eating? Well, apparently it's supposed to protect you while everybody's spitting in your face while you're walking past a restaurant. But I don't know. I'd prefer to take my chances and not wear the mask, but people hate that. And then on uh, Wednesday... I got to do this great thing I did all because I've been putting out these videos. I've been, you know, I guess I'm more in people's heads. So I've been being asked to do a bunch more stuff, which is great. And this girl, Perry Ellis, oh God, I don't think I pronounce her name. Uh, she is the booker for this live from the table show, which I usually do at the comedy cellar, which is usually live from the table. But they've been doing video versions with Noam, the owner, and this girl, Perry Al, that's her name. It's a strange name, right? And uh, and Dan Natterman. Dan and Noam are the hosts and Perry Al. And she's the the booker and she's always, always on it. And they're like, do you want to come on Wednesday? I'm like, I'd love to. And I found out that Dennis D. Young from Styx was going to be on. And I was with Natterman on Monday. And I said, oh, my God, I got a lot to say to that guy. And he's like, you do? You're not going to be mean. I'm like, no, are you kidding? That guy's a living legend. I can't wait to talk to him. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. I hope this song picks up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And I'll try. Uh oh. To carry on. It's happening. It's coming. Wait for it.
it's a builder. Reflections in the waves, spot my memory. Some happy, some sad. I think of childhood friends and the dreams we had. We lived happily forever. So the story goes, but somehow we missed out on the path of gold, but we'll try best that we can to carry on. Yes! <laughs> It's not the uh, Tommy Shaw rock and roll that uh, was the good balance of sticks, kind of like McCartney and Lennon. Like you know, Dennis DeYoung did the uh, the softer ballads, and then uh, Tommy Shaw comes in and and rocks it, which made them a a good duo, whether they liked each other or not. I mean, everybody knows the Tommy Shaw classic. I mean, this is how I found them out. Ooh, he likes it to build too. Why wouldn't Dave Juska like this band? They got a plan. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my home. Just as long as they don't do harmonies. Oh, mama, <gasps> they I can did. Hear you are crying, you're so scared and all alone. I wonder what'll happen hey, next. Is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long Hey! Let's face it. Sticks out a lot of goddamn songs. That's why it was quite an honor to talk to this gentleman. Plus, he's very angry. It's like a dream come true. <laughs> I think people have asked him to uh, sing this song lately, being called The Best of Times. People are looking for hope. Stay with you here tonight. Just passed us by, baby, I know. Yeah, it's 
order again. Well, how would Dave just got not like this band? I mean, they're like a Broadway show tune band. And they like doing, uh, you know, big, elaborate stage shows. What about this class? I always thought this was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. It also sounds like Tommy. You know, from the album, from the rock opera, which is odd because these guys made the rock opera of uh, Kilroy was here with uh, the legendary Mr. Roboto. This is Tommy Shaw, I think, though. Those other ones were Dennis DeYoung, but the band as a whole makes sense. Makes sense that they wouldn't get along, too. Obviously, had different ideas on uh, how songs should go. But you know them all. It's amazing, right? What do you think this was made? The uh, 80s? 90s? Yeah, pretty sure it's the 70s. This is how you created music back then, like this. Totally reminds me of Junior High. I didn't even know who they were, but these songs sound so familiar. And of course, this one that destroyed their career, but yet it was so goddamn popular, which doesn't make any sense. How can something be ridiculously popular and destroy your career at the same time? At the best is when Dennis DeYoung goes, Hey, I'm the asshole who wrote. No more Arigato, Mr. Roboto. He's still angry about it, which of course makes him the greatest guest ever. I bet you I can get him to do the podcast. Arigato, Mr. Roboto. It's super 
I'll tell you this though, the, the fascinating thing about this guy, and you know, this is why I was so excited. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he really, uh, you know, I, I said, well, actually, I, I have me uh, asking him some questions here. I, I, I found the uh, the thing. This is actually terrific. I mean, for me, it's a uh, well. Listen, I mean, I, I'm not. Uh, then now you'll know it's for real. I preached. You were right. You were. You you were a special live performance group. I mean, it was a big deal to come see you live. You put together shows purposely for live performances that were amazing. You might have even started Arena Rock. You know, like I mean, you you know the when you the big shows were made for your kind of music. The big venues, you know, the Garden and all that kind of things. I think um, you know myself and Jeff Rabbits. You guys may know him. He's been Bruce Springsteen's lighting guy for the last. 30, 30 some odd years. He was our guy. He was from Chicago. He's a graduate from Northwestern. And he and I, I wanted to take or steal all the best ideas from theater and the scrims and the way this thing goes in the tomb and the bum and bring him into rock. I wasn't the first. I saw Alice Cooper uh, in 73 or four out on the road. And I, I went, Oh my God, there's a Cyclops. Oh my God, look at that. And I was, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't busy watching Judy Garland. I saw Alice do that theatrical thing. I thought it would be so cool because we had little theatrical things. Like the very first time we came on stage when we were sticks, we used to come onto the William Tell Overture with strobe lights. That's pretty pretentious. Where do you go from there? Uh-huh. Up. So kept, you know, let's make it this way. Let's do oh, sticks is theatrical. Oh my goodness. I watch pop stars today. We look like buskers on, in the subway compared to what people are doing now. I mean, they got 30 dancers. They got video things and walls and people moving and elephants coming in. It's, it's, it's beyond belief. Do you, do you think it's bad? He's, um, he's so angry at the, uh, the young generation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, how exciting is it? You're like, I'm, I mean, basically just praise you. I mean, really, they, they started. The, but he's right. That was the perfect person. That's exactly who started. Alice Cooper before music video used to put together these unbelievable stage shows. He called them something. And I can't remember. They weren't dramedies or something, but he was this unbelievable live performer. And he put together basically theater. And then these guys did it too. And that's why it was so amazing. And it was so exciting to talk to him and ask him all these questions. Clearly, I guess nobody else did their homework. Because then uh, he could, I had to tell Noam, I'm like, uh, no, no, him and Tommy don't get along. Well, they did. It, it requires a certain innovation. That's what hip hop was. And, and maybe it'll never happen again. Maybe it's been exhausted. But right now, I there's agree. nothing exciting, really, you know, except, except, except staying. Dennis DeYoung, is it, is it a Styx album or, or a Dennis DeYoung album? His sixth original solo album is coming out called 26th East Volume 1. So I want to I want to segregate that from everything else I'm saying about music today because uh, uh, I, I love him I like <laughs> him a lot it's good but he said the thing and I, I apologize I didn't realize it was a solo album so you're not doing albums with sticks anymore I've been in the band for 20 years oh I didn't I didn't know that I'm I don't so think sorry. him and Tommy get along too well ah, ah yeah. I, had, I feel like a jackass now I'm sorry I'm sorry Forgive yeah me. it's okay we'll have to resuscitate it after the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> It's so exciting to be part of the conversation, and uh, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been in the band for years because I know him and Tommy Shaw just don't get along, which of course makes sense. You know, I mean, I I just always keep thinking of uh, 
that thing you do and they uh, go see uh that Del Paxton and he's like man sometimes just being on the road uh sometimes a year is just too long time man <laughs> but it's kind of true i mean bands just sometimes they just can't put it together but i mean a a good 10 year run like they had is uh pretty phenomenal in its way but it was uh, and then and then he played so he has a new song which was uh which is off this he's calling it he's 70 he said this is his last album i guess so uh he's got this last one and he's got a new song it's called with all due respect and he was talking about it but it's the the reason why it's extra funny the song isn't bad and uh, again i was praising his vocals later because it's, it's you know how fascinated am i by go 70 who's still got the pipes you know i mean that's the best like a billy joel was i'm so angry at because you know he smokes cigarettes and yet his voice is amazing and you know how hard i try to you know i want to sing like that but i sometimes just can't hit those damn notes and it drives me crazy because i really like <clears throat> i really like singing and everything but so he's got this uh new song and you can see it on you got to see it on youtube it's called with all due respect it's not bad but it's funny because he filmed it clearly in quarantine. So, you know, when you see something like Mr. Roboto or know about the stage shows that they used to put together and the way he was saying, oh, my God, I'm really theatrical. <clears throat> Sorry about that. And um, it's uh, it's extra funny because he's just clearly in his bedroom singing. <laughs> it's just it's like um, I'm sure it would have been a different video all together if not for the COVID but let's hear a little bit of it it still kind of rocks that was it um my computer stopped <laughs> but uh yeah it's not bad right it sounds good but we were the way we were talking was that um there's no more rock and roll you know we had this big conversation like rock and roll is definitely dead and he was saying until nirvana came out which is totally true and then of course i bought up you know the 1989 thing that we were talking about i'm like yeah you know everything was done in 89 when chicago their worst song ever and no one was like wait, 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 he might be friends with guys in chicago i'm like yeah even chicago would say we're upset that was our greatest hit look away in 1989 the number one song of the year look away by chicago clearly their worst song a horrible song you know, on a on a on a bill of 1989 with them and Millie Vanilli and a bad Janet Jackson song and you know Bobby Brown or whatever, all bad stuff. I mean, something had to happen, and until Nirvana came in and kind of you know bought things back, and there hasn't been 
and this is what we were talking about, there hasn't been another change in music since Nirvana. And before that, you can go back to the Beatles. You know, I mean, I say in the Cars movie that the Beatles were truly the Mozarts and the the Brahms of their day because until the Beatles came, there, there hadn't been a change in music. You know, I mean, I mean, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe jazz. I don't know, but mostly, I mean, there's Mozart and then there's the Beatles. I mean, nobody had heard anything like these kind of things before. I'm just using the Beatles as an example. Obviously, there are people that emulate, you know, their stuff and maybe till Elvis, I guess you could say, and then the Beatles made a change into pop music, and then nothing changed until Nirvana, and there has not been a change since. I'm pretty sure I'm on base with that. There really hasn't been. There's, I mean, rock is dead for sure, and that's why it's nice. You know, I mean, you know, I'm an old man too when it comes to that. I like to hear a nice little rock song. Uh, what I was saying on the on the podcast with Dennis, I said, well, the only people who are left are the Foo Fighters and Green Day. They're the only and Weezer. Those are the only three bands still putting out pretty much rock albums, you know, and they're doing it not very much anymore. But otherwise, yeah, rock is pretty much dead, you know, besides the, you know, couple of albums where somebody tries to put out something like a Bob Dylan or something. But that, you know, that ain't the same. So who is going to be the person that makes the next breakthrough? Please don't tell me it's Billie Eilish because I can't even keep thinking of that Bond song. It's making it's making me upset. But the one thing and I never I didn't get to tell him this because he was talking for an hour. I mean, it, it was it was great. I, it was very exciting. And he's very angry. I mean, that's the best when you get a musician on it. It just reminds me of this uh, Cheers episode. I wonder if I could find that episode. It's a Cheers episode. This is what I'm remembering this off the top of my head. Cheers, the TV show Cheers. And Fred Dreyer plays one of Sam's like old teammates or something. And now he's a reporter, uh, the sports reporter for, you know, some Boston thing. And he says to Sam, Sam, you know, do you want to? I'd like to interview you for the show. And uh, I don't know why I remember this, I guess, because it was so sad. And Diane, of course, tells him, you know, don't do this. It's bad to talk about old times. And he goes, no, no, come on. The bar wants me to do it, whatever. So he starts telling the story. And uh, Fred Dreyer, you know, is a, and it, it's a little intriguing. And then all of a sudden, this guy comes in. He goes, hey, Fred, I don't know his name of the character name. But he goes, hey, Fred. McEnroe just called and he wants to get something off his chest. And Fred Dreyer goes, he snaps his fingers. He goes, McEnroe. And uh, and then he leaves. He goes, all right, thanks a lot, Sam. I'll see you later. And then it's really sad because he just abandoned Sam for McEnroe. Uh, because, I mean, quite frankly, if McEnroe has to get something off his chest, even in this, even now in 2020, you'd want to cover that. Because McEnroe is still hilarious and relevant and he's on my favorite show, Never Have I Ever. But, and that's, 30 years later. But uh, it's just like that. Hey, Dennis DeYoung's got something he wants to get off his chest. <laughs> That's all I was thinking of. DeYoung. It's not the same as McEnroe or Newman. But what I wanted to say, and this is what I had to say to Dennis DeYoung, I didn't get to say it. It's so interesting, and I've said this on the podcast before, maybe, or maybe I even said it in stand-up. I remember in 1990, 1991, Tommy Shaw had left Sticks. Dennis DeYoung put out one extra album, uh, you know, Tommy Shawless, and had a huge hit on it that it was not a 
you know, not my favorite song in any way, but it helped America get through the Gulf War. I don't know if you remember this in 1991. This was the song we were using as the anthem, which is amazing that they made this comeback and were relevant again. In the hopes that there's a heaven. I remember it from 1991. Never heard again since. As the saints turn into sinners All the heroes and legends I knew as a child Have fallen into idols of play And I feel this empty place inside So I pray that I've lost my faith Show me the way Show Remember this song? I mean, certainly not a classic, but I remember, I thought it was a Dennis D. Young solo album, but no, it was a Sticks album. Came back in 1990, reformed the band, and without Tommy Shaw, but only without Tommy Shaw... Because Tommy Shaw was in another band and he couldn't get out of the commitment called Damn Yankees, which also helped the war effort. This is the song the troops were listening to during the Gulf War. The other song was what the nation was listening to. But this is what our fighting men were totally listening to. Remember this at all? You'll remember when you hear the chorus. We've got all the back to 1991. Here is Debbie Aikens. Yeah. Go figure, in the Gulf War, after all that, a combined sticks effort got us through the hard times of uh, a very strange war. I just thought that was the most fast. And I remember in the 90s, I'm like, is nobody noticing that sticks is getting us through uh, the the Gulf War? Isn't it odd that people are making fun of sticks? Uh, for the last 10 years, and yet 
they're helping America heal. And that's what I wanted to tell him, of course, because, you know, it's kind of interesting, but I never got the chance because the guy would not shut up, (laughs) although neither would I. But I mean, it was so exciting talking to Dennis D. Young about sticks and being like, man, you're so cool. (laughs) You know, like your singing voice is amazing. You know me. I just like praising people when I see them. I don't, uh, you know, but of course I want to be like that paternity rap in 1975. Did you stupor or what? That's, of course, what I want to say, but I never have the guts. Someday, though, you know, when I'm when I'm 100. Oh, that's one of the jokes. Oh, my God. I guess I'll tell you one of the jokes I have for Gaffigan. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Um, I was talking about the Queen of England <laughs> making a speech, uh, you know, during the pandemic. The Queen of England only goes on camera on television She's like a cicada. She only comes out every 70 years or so, you know. So then you know it's a real emergency. And she did a, a, a television appearance in April. The last time she did one was in World War II. And I was disappointed because she's like 100. And at that point, you just wanted to start dishing out. So, you know, sure, she's talking about the pandemic. But you wanted to go off and be like, and if Meghan Markle thinks for two seconds she's going to come into this family and stop what I built over the last 50 years. I mean, that's, you know, and I don't know whether that was funny enough, but then I did it in the accent. And if Megan Markle thinks for two seconds that she's going to come here and vanquish what I've done. And then I said, well, I, actually, that sounds more like Aunt B from Andy Griffith. Of course, why would I say something like that? There's 12-year-olds out there. They have no idea what I'm talking about. But that's what I decided to do. Because that is... What being an idiot is all about, and there's just no... Listen, listen, kids, when you are stretching to find 15 minutes, when you only have technically five, these are the kind of things you think might be funny. Well, see, you guys might think it's funny. Well, you think it's funny in an idiotic way. There's no way Jim and Marina didn't like it. They enjoy when I'm just screaming at the audience and pointing my finger. They're like, he's crazy. So it's funny in that sense, I guess. I hope. I really, I'm not exactly sure. Um, uh, uh, a couple more things to discuss today. Uh, one of them is the stupid revel. I have the paper here. Oh my god! First of all, thank God they suspended a thousand people. That made me happy because you know how it's driving me crazy that people are not obeying the rules of the revel. And I'm not saying what happened to Dave Jeskow. <clears throat> He's a huge rule breaker. But no, people are driving them over the bridge and then they don't have a bike here and they're parking them in a fire hydrant. It's driving me crazy because I'm obeying the rules. People are going through red lights. I've been doing that too, but don't tell anybody, uh, which I'm not going to do anymore because I didn't know it was a thing. And they suspended a thousand people. I am not one of them. Thank goodness. And they keep having articles. People keep getting into accidents. Go Because people are going to ruin it for me. There's so many douchebags. They're going to ruin it for me. These are clearly the same people that probably aren't wearing masks. And that are just, they're, they're ruining it. They're getting into accidents. They're going to stop this wonderful service that I need to have in the city. Do you know last week at 5 in the morning, I decided, you know what? I'm going to take one of the Revels out. I've been up all night. I'm going to take an early morning ride. I'm going to go down to Battery Park. It was so much fun. Then people are going to ruin it for me. And that's going to make me really angry. So you better 
start straightening up people on stupid revel it's a great service do not ruin it for the rest of us now who's an old man on thursday i went to see my mother again and this time i bought food for both of us i bought the food for both of us right because i've been told you know like by my friend martha oh and martha I know you listen every week and I appreciate it and, and I, I do read all your emails, but I, I do not want to hear about you having sex with your boyfriend or that kind of stuff. I, I don't like that kind of talk. I'm sorry. It's a, it's kind of gross. I'm just saying. Well, you're very nice and thank you for sending me the uh, the rent thing. I think they're going to freeze my uh, you know our rents here in the city. You got to apply. So I do appreciate that and I do read all your emails, but I can't respond if you're uh, going to write stuff that is um, not, uh, <clears throat> you know, not my cup of tea. Uh, that all being said, anyway, I went to my mother's and I bought my own food. I bought food for both of us, but I ordered incorrectly. Totally my fault. I didn't get the right thing that I liked and it was a little dry. So she goes, well, do you want some mustard? I'm like, oh my God, mustard would be great. You know where this is going. And she goes, and I go, do you have mustard? She goes, oh, please. I always have mustard. Now, I don't know why she said it like that. And of course she brings it out. It's expired for two years. She goes, I'm sure it's fine. And it's been open. And I smell it, and it smells bad. It smells like it's expired. She goes, no, it's not. Just eat it. And I'm like, don't yell at me and tell me to eat your stupid expired food. You can't get mad at this. I mean, I'm just sick of it. I'm sorry. I don't want to yell at her. We were having a nice day, but I mean, I'm just sick of the expired shit she keeps offering. I mean, if you're asking your son or grandkids to come over and have hamburgers and hot dogs. How do you not make sure you have fresh mustard and ketchup? It's just do it or don't invite people over to eat. Now, this again was my fault. She didn't expect I was going to need mustard, but still don't force it on me. It smelled horrible. I opened it up. It smelled. Now, maybe I was just saying it smelled. Maybe I was thinking it smelled horrible because I knew it was expired, but it did. Oh, man, that made me so upset. I mean, I got over it. I just can't take it anymore. I can't take it. So then she wants to clean. So here's something. This is interesting. I mean, it's not interesting at all, but she wants us to clean her basement. She can't go down there anymore. She can barely walk down the stairs, right? So she wants us to clean the basement. The basement is, I was just talking to Joe Messina. He goes, what is she talking about? The basement's immaculate. I'm like, I know that. You know that. But she thinks having photos and stuff over a couple of things are a disaster so she's like it's bothering me i'm like but you never come down here she goes well it's bothering me now this i understand i'm not going to get upset with her because i know this is the exact same thing as leaving the dishes in the sink overnight i know there are people and maybe the big bang theory has helped me see this maybe it's as easy as that there's an ep- there's the second episode of the big bang theory after the pilot, I believe, is them going to Penny's apartment. You know, this quirky guy, Sheldon, if you if, if you know the theory or the, the, rather the uh, premise of the show. You know, this crazy, crazy person, but he's brilliant. Um, this, whatever. Uh, they go to Penny's apartment and it's a mess. This really pretty girl who just, you know, she's just not clean. And when he sees it, he's appalled. 
So when Sheldon goes back, he's in the middle of the night. He can't sleep because he knows that next door, Penny's apartment is a mess. And he goes in the middle of the night and he cleans it, which is really funny and really weird. But I, you know, and then she wakes up and she starts screaming at Sheldon, knowing it was them, you weirdos. You know, can you imagine? But the premise of somebody not being able to sleep because they're thinking and it's on their mind is exactly what my mother is going through, I guess. So I have to respect it. Even though that's a TV show, somebody thought of it because it's a thing. And I know it's a thing because I've talked to people that were like, oh, I can't leave dirty dishes in the sink. They can't sleep knowing there are dirty dishes in the sink. This is the way some people's mind work, not mine. But obviously, it's affecting my mother. So I said, so what do you want us to do? You want us to just clean this place out as if you were moving? And she's like, yes. And then every time we say, all right, we're going to do it in four phases. It's difficult right now because we are in the midst of a pandemic. But Beth and I will come up and take anything we want to keep. Then we'll bring Cousin Frankie in, see if there's anything he can sell on eBay. And then we'll have somebody pick up all this furniture, this brand new furniture, because we don't know how to sell it, and just take it away. And then this whole place will be blank. And then maybe she'll be happy. But you know that won't end there. But... Whatever. If that's what it takes to make her happy, then so be it. I think it's ridiculous because she doesn't go down there, but I get it. Kind of. So that's what we're going to try and do. Meanwhile, I went food shopping after I left her house. I went to the grocery store. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to this grocery store. I'm going to pick up frozen foods. I'm going to take a chance bringing it to the house. What I did, I got frozen food. I got a bunch of stuff and I got a bag of ice. Can't believe I never thought about it before. I put the ice in the plastic bags with the frozen food, made it to my house perfectly. It was fantastic. It was a brilliant move. I bought some frozen tuna steaks and some regular tuna and some shrimp, like frozen stuff. And then I found a parking space right in front of my building. I couldn't believe it. So I could stay there for picking up uh, Marina on Saturday and going to the show. <laughs> Boy, that was a stroke of luck because there's so much construction on my block. I didn't think I'd get a parking space right away. It was great. I was able because it was a Thursday. It was uh, it was just there's no alternate side of the street parking because the pandemic is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful this thing. And so then I came home and I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna reorganize my fridge and freezer because I bought a whole bunch of stuff. I'm gonna reorganize and I reorganized. This is something Dave Juskow never does. I reorganized it. It looks amazing. I took everything out. I cleaned it. And then I put everything in a cohesive order. And when I was on a Zoom call with my mom and sister, you know our Shabbat Zoom call on Fridays. I said, hey, do you guys want to see a picture of my refrigerator? Because I know my mother will like it. My sister's like, why are we looking at this? But uh, I took a picture and I showed them. I'm like, look, I just sent it to you guys. Because <laughs> I know my mother's going to like it. You know, my sister doesn't care. But I am so, I can't tell you. I go every day and I'm like, why can't I do this to the rest of my apartment? Why can't I reorganize? I just, I guess I had a plan in my mind. This is not something I usually have. I had a plan. I had a plan. It was beautiful. Now, I'd like to say one thing about uh, this horrible Nick Cannon and this Deshaun Jackson and all their anti-Semitic comments. I would like to say, as I've been talking about with this Black Lives Matter, that everybody is two-faced. And that is the issue. Everyone is two-faced. And Nick Cannon is a horrible human being. And he's always been horrible. And I knew he was horrible even when I went to see America's Got Talent because I'm like, there is a disconnect with this guy in the audience. He's a big phony. And Deshaun Jackson, they've said some very anti-Semitic things over the past 
uh, two weeks. Very anti-Semitic. Deshaun Jackson from the Philadelphia Eagles talking about this Hitler. He wasn't a bad dude. I mean, he's like doing my joke, you know, like whatever. And Nick Cannon saying some awful things. I don't even want to get into it. And uh, the reason I bring it up, which, of course, is a risky topic, but I really couldn't care less, is because uh, the two-facedness is they, they got basically slaps on the wrist. And if this had happened the opposite way and somebody made a derogatory black comment, and when I say derogatory, I mean like the simplest of all things, like a Megyn Kelly saying, I don't know, is blackface bad if you're doing a character? That's all she said. There's no footage of her in blackface. I think maybe she even dressed up in blackface for Halloween when people didn't know any better. But she she just brought up a point and she was fired immediately. And she was just saying it, you know, not to be woke or anything. But I mean, all right, she's a privileged white girl. But, you know, she got fired from a multi-million dollar job. These guys got slaps on the wrist. He there will be no suspension for Deshaun Jackson. He will just go back to playing with the Eagles as if nothing happened. Nick Cannon didn't get fired from anything. It's unbelievable the the two-facedness of everybody that is happening, and it's driving me insane. It's completely unacceptable. They mentioned the Jews. There's no issue. If you mention, if I mention it the other way, I'm going to get fired and 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 backlash for everything. It's not acceptable. The uh, only difference I think is that the Jews just don't really care, and they've been put upon for so long that it's uh they're just like we move on we just need to keep uh, moving on and making money you know that's what we do we're like ah, eh, they said it it's bad you shouldn't say that but we need to just move on and make money i guess uh, clearly that's what they think now we know a lot of black people don't care for the jews michael jackson didn't care for the jews you know and we get it uh but it, it it's got to work both ways they need to be fired just like anybody else would if they made some sort of racial comment it's completely unacceptable and that is why Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest as ever because he came out and he goes, these guys suck. You know, stop with your anti-Semitism. This Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest mostly. Who cares about his basketball career? Who gives a crap because he did this? Climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen, kid. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton in the near up and down the court for 48 minutes. Isn't that the fucking the best, the absolute best? Who okay, can I mean, the guy's a genius. It's like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> That's so It's so awesome. Listen, kid. <laughs> so at least we have Kareem, and he's way awesome. So that's something. But uh, uh, okay. Also, that all being said, 
David Tell sent me something really interesting the other day. It's a video of this old comic, Joe Alasky. I kind of remember him. And he sent me a video of this guy, I guess from the 80s. And it was just so funny because I ended up getting so embarrassed because this was totally me back in the 80s and 90s. I'm telling you, I used to kill, but it all felt phony. And here's why. Like, here's this guy, and the sound is horrible, but um, try and, uh, you know, play along. You've been such a great crowd. I think I'm going to treat you to uh, a little scene from one of our favorite shows from way back, Leave it to Beaver. Here's what might have happened if the part of everybody's favorite teenage chum, Eddie Haskell, had been played by a young, and I think he would have been the right age too, a young Jack Nicholson. All right, he's putting on the glasses right now and he's walking around like Jack Nicholson. Where do you hear these laughs? Well, hello, Mrs. Cleaver. I'm only bringing that up because that is what I used to do. I would like put on a thing and I would do the exact same thing. What if James Spader was in the Nutcracker suite, whatever it was, I'm making stuff up now, but, and then I would, or, or especially like, what if Woody Allen was in, you know, and then I'd put on the glasses and I, you, you'd do it around. And I swear I'd say one line and people would go ballistic. Again, this is why I'm able to open for Jim Gaffigan because there has to be, like, you know, it really, it's like I'm such a bad comic. There has to be a reason why this all happened. And here we are storybooking the podcast today. But there has to be a reason why Sarah or Jim Gaffigan or even Attell would ask me to open for them because in the day, I used to kill and these people, who were still just as good as they are now back then, would see the killing. But it's all an illusion, you know, because you're doing imitations. And it was kind of an easy laugh, but I would get those. I'd be like, what would I do? I'd, um, I'm trying to do, like, even that stupid Ernie Douglas thing. I mean, really, it was like, well, gee, Uncle Charlie. And people were going, ah! I mean, they'd go, they, they were crying. They're banging their fists off one line. From the setup and that horrible setup, what if Mr. Magoo got fucked in the ass by some, I can see, oh, Magoo, (laughs) I'm not even doing it, Justin, but I'm telling you, I I would get huge responses like that. So that's how it kind of got the reputation, but it's so easy to do when you're an impressionist or whatever I was. You know, you're just setting it up, and the setups are so stupid. That's why I couldn't do it. This is why I had trouble going forward. After, you know, time doing the impressions I was doing, and I tried not to do some things like Jack Nicholson that everyone was doing, that was my key. I would do James Spader or, you know, and, and if I was doing a Mr. Magoo, which nobody was doing anyway, I mean, it's stupid, but, you know, I'd try and find a new way to do it. Uh, 
I do Michael Hutchins from In Excess. And of course, I did Springsteen. A lot of people did Springsteen, but I had a song and a plan. And I, I will find that footage, even though I'm embarrassed to show it to you. But you will see how it just, I mean, the, the responses that I would get and when I could have easily just done all these, Jack Nicholson, and here's Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> if he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, uh, let me think. Now I'm going to come up with some. Uh, uh, you better. Uh, you, you got the earth with a fire ticket. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. But I'm saying it would kill. I mean, obviously I had a plan back then. But it would kill like that sometimes. I mean, just kill so much that the the one time I can remember in my head that it, which I talked about last week, which is so out of control, and I opened it for John Stewart, and they never let me open for him again because it was ridiculous. It just you feel like a big phony because I'm like I'm not making people laugh as a real comic comedian, but I do it. But but it is real. I mean, what's the difference? But I can see when you're sitting in the back, even if you're my friend, you're like, you know, what is this? How is he killing doing a stupid imitation? And that's why I kind of really prided myself on doing imitations that other people didn't do because otherwise you are a hack. You're doing Jack Nicholson. Everybody's doing Jack Nicholson. Maybe you do a good imitation. Of course, you have to find, if you're going to do an imitation that everybody does, like a Woody Allen, you've got to find a premise that nobody's done yet. So that would be the way you could, you know, I could feel better about myself. But at least I was, you know, acknowledging that, you know, maybe I wasn't as good as the others because I was doing impressions and it was almost like cheating. But I mean, you heard the last from this guy. Hello, Mrs. Cleaver. I mean, this is the stupidest fucking thing anyone's ever seen. We've seen it a hundred times and that crowd was going ballistic. And that used to happen to me. And every one of those people, including Gaffigan and all those people, had seen me kill like that at one point. So just staying, sometimes just sticking around in the business will lift you up again if you can just hang around. Because, I mean, how many people did I know during that time that I'd never seen again in my lifetime? That Like, why I'm still friends with these people? Because sometimes I say to myself, how am I still – why am I able to be at the Comedy Cellar? Why am I able to sit at the table? It's very clear to everybody I'm not as good as everyone else. But I guess I was at some point. And I think if you understand, you know, how it was, like, in the sense I'm like, listen, I know I was kind of cheating. If you're honest with yourself, I think people – I think they understand that, and I guess uh, that's something that can um, keep you around in people's hearts. That's uh, this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. A uh, little sticks action and everything. And uh, talking about so much of uh, a week filled with, uh, filled with uh, fun stuff, seeing lots of people. I mean, it's old school again, right? I mean, really. I mean, if you talk about just the crowds on Saturday, well, that's seeing a lot of people. But then I got to spend time, have some, uh, some fun with uh, a bunch of folks. And I didn't spend that much money doing it. And I made some money. 
So I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I'm trying the best I can like everyone else. And I just, um, I'm feeling feeling good, Lewis. I feel like maybe it can all work out. I don't know. I'm just going to keep putting up these Instagram videos and uh, see if we can maybe get something working. Because, I mean, uh, although we got to do these wonderful stand-up gigs, I don't know whether stand-up comedy is for me anymore. So we all have to find different ways to fill our careers. So I wish you all luck in whatever we're going to do after this. You know, for those of you who don't have jobs anymore or are trying to find a different direction later in life, like me. And like I said, you know, it's a lot to ask to come up with a third career in one lifetime. Uh, It's very few people that can put that together. But I'm going to give it a try because I guess, even though the way I eat, you would think I wouldn't be around much longer. But I guess I'm going to be here for the long haul because uh, clearly God is just punishing me for something. I don't know what's happening, but I, I don't know. Let's not leave it a somber note. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. Pascal. I love this pandemic. I don't want things to open up. I enjoy really waking up and being like, oh, yeah, I got nothing to do today. This is fantastic. I hope you feel similar. And I really hope everybody's doing great. I know I say it every week, but I really do. And I just hope. That the podcast can bring you a, a little joy for 90 minutes a week. I really hope I'm helping somehow or some way. I do like to help people. I, As much of a jerk as I am, I'm also, uh, you know, I do care sometimes. Eh, once in a while. But anyway, that's this week's show. And I guess we'll see you at the end of July already. What? How did that happen so fast? And we'll head into my birthday month and see how that's going to go. What are we going to do this year? I don't know. We're obviously not doing a show, but you know what? Good, because that's a lot of work. So I don't know. So maybe an old-fashioned birthday and just sit at home and cry. So that's the thing. Oh, no, I did it again. I went down that way. I'm so sorry. And we want to leave on a happy note. So hello, Mrs. Cleaver. Is that better? Is that better? Sure it is. (laughs) All right. I'll see everybody next week on the Nightfly Podcast with me, Dave Jeskow. Good night, everybody. See you next week. Yeah.